In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Between the Lines. On this podcast, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. You will also hear from editors, literary agents, and publishers in the hopes of giving us all a better understanding of how it all works together. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey. I'm encouraging you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go between the lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, it was a teacher at school handing out a writing assignment, while for others, it may have been by reading and wondering if they might be able to write. Every writer has started their writing journey on a different path. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But one thing all writers have in common is a different destination. Welcome to another edition of Between the Lines. We're going to do something a little different today. We're going to have a guest host who's going to be interviewing me by request of several of you. And so with that being said, here's Lori Mueller. Hi, Randy. It's sure nice to be here today. I'm in sunny British Columbia in Victoria, and you're over in Alberta across the line. And I think you had fresh snow this morning. Yes. I know that uh, people that listen to your podcast are interested to know a little bit more about you. And that's why I thought it was a good idea that you become the interviewee instead of the interviewer for a time. And here we are. Here we are. So... Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Randy Lacey, a man that I met online and have been reading and corresponding with, I don't know, for three or four years, I guess. At least, yeah. He's the, at least. He's the author of nine self-published poetry books, including his last two called uh, The Year to Remember and A Year to Forget. So. Welcome, Randy, in the interviewee chair. This is different. So who am I? Well, besides being someone that Randy met online, I've written a book called What to Do When Someone You Love Dies. And I write a column I've been writing for a very long time, since I was in grade six. Uh, Mostly newsletters, things like that. Anyway, I'm always interested in what other people are doing and how they're doing it. So 
Randy doing this podcast, I find um, intriguing, interesting, and enlightening. So, Randy, let's talk again about you. And the first question, we might as well get it off off the people's minds right away. Are you a panster, a plotter, or a planster? Yes. <laughs> um, okay. uh, I guess yes would be a sufficient answer in that I can and have uh, operated under all three, but my preferential way of doing things is just by the seat of my pants, so uh, a pantster. So let's back up a little bit. What would you like to tell the listening audience about yourself? Like, who is Randy Lacey and how did he get from where he started to where he is now? (sighs) Well, I guess if I go all the way back to grade five at St. George's Elementary School in Ottawa, I had a teacher named Mr. Lauren. And uh, he brought us down to the library and had the librarian read uh, to the class the cremation of Sam McGee, uh, the classic Robert Service. And I fell in love with that style of hearing and listening. I wasn't a writer. I just, I heard it. I thought that sounded really good in my ears and I, I liked it. And then uh, he introduced us to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken, and just the complexity, but the simplicity at the same time intrigued me. Not to, to, to write, that would come a few years later, but the, uh, the introduction really to poetry was, was those two poems. And then, of course, without realizing it, music. Lyrics and music, for the most part, are are poetry set to music, or at least that's what I think. And at the time, I was discovering all kinds of new music. So I was, I started listening to the words. And, you know, the music might have been cool or whatever, but it was the words that intrigued me the most. So fast forward a little bit to grade nine, and Mr. Hollingsworth at Woodruff High School in Ottawa again gave us a writing assignment to write a poem by the end of the week. And of course you got the, uh, the typical, you know, that kind of stuff. But I went home and I banged out three poems like in one day. And uh, so I submitted all three because I couldn't pick one back then. I wouldn't know a good poem, good amateur poem, if you will. And so I submitted them. And uh, on a Friday, and on on the Monday after he had graded them, uh, he was handing them all back and he didn't hand mine back. And he requested to see me after class. You know, he he took me aside and he says, did you really write these? I went, well, yeah. He says, well, um, these are really good. And he says, have you ever heard of, and he he named a, a popular musician. He says, have you ever heard of this guy? He went, who hasn't? He says, well, your style is very similar to this individual. And if I were you, I'd continue to write and maybe seek publication someday. And that got me on the path to writing. And that was in 1979. So mm-hmm. ever since then, I've been writing. And 
you know, my early high school days, I, I wasn't the best of students. I dropped out of grade 11 five times. I never officially completed high school at school. Over the course of my in and out of school, I've lost a lot of poetry because, you know, you don't clean your locker out when you quit, you just leave. Uh, so I, I lost a lot of poetry. And so 1986 is the earliest poetry that I still have uh, that I can go back to and, and, and put a finger on it going, okay, well, this is really, I'll have to say this is the birth of my writing, but you know, over the years, you know, you travel, you'll lose things and stuff, but I've tried to maintain everything I've written since then. But of course life and whatever gets in the way and you don't write all the time or as much as you'd like to. And, but I've always managed to, to find a time and place to write. And then, you know, people are saying, well, you're a writer. Okay, write something right now. And of course, it's like telling somebody to tell you a joke and make them laugh right away. You can't, or it's, it's kind of difficult, but I, I, I would never back down from a challenge, a writing challenge. I was at work one day uh, doing security. And one of the guys says, well, write a poem. I said, all right, about what? He says, well, there's a river going under that bridge, right about the river. And, you know, uh, he went on patrol and he, by the time he came back, I was done. And he was like, well, well, I guess you can write on demand. And, uh, but yeah, so I I love writing. I always have. And uh, poetry has been my mainstay. And it was only in the last few years that I've uh, discovered a love for maybe the short story. Of course, I, after I published, self-published my first book, Blind Ambitions, I started writing my memoir because, you know, 13 years of living on the street. There's some interesting stories there. So I've been, I'm, I'm be still, what's that? I'll be reading. I will be reading it. Well, yeah, I might Fair even let you read it before I put it out so you can give me some pointers. But anyway, um, so yeah, I'm still working on that. Um, you know, every, every month I revise a chapter and, you know, it's, uh, it's, I've had people say, you know, this, this is a book that needs to be out there. So with that being said, I've done a lot of short stories and I like the short story and and now I'm working on a, well, it might end up being a novel if I expand some of the stuff within it. But right now it's novella length. So okay. there you go. The way you started your story with with the teacher who pulled you aside and gave you some pointers, uh, it, doesn't it make a big difference when somebody acknowledges what we do? And it, it's almost like it, we want to do more because we've made we've made someone smile or, or, or happy or meaningful to them. Well, when that happened, I mean, I think his comparison or the comparison that he gave me was probably just something to inspire me even further. I don't think he was very accurate in it, but I understood what he was trying to do. And, you know, many, many years later, I'm still very appreciative of, of what he tried to do that day and uh, you know, give credit where credit due. I don't know if he's still alive or whatever, but. Well, what is your writing goal? What is my writing goal? Yeah. I have, uh, I have no desire or preconceived ideas of where I want to go or do with my writing. I just write because I love to write. You know, I've got a, a, a friend of over 35 years. Oh yeah. You want to be big and famous and rich and, I have no desire to be rich or famous simply because 
when I was in a previous lifestyle, I had no shortage of money. And I saw what it did to me. Uh, as for being famous, you know, I see what that does to some people. And I don't want that for myself because I know myself well enough to know the potential that I can get myself into with either fame or money. So I write, and it's at the very beginning of uh, most of my books, is I write not necessarily because I have something to say, but because maybe you have something you need to hear. So I write for other people. Does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. It does. So we, we kind of covered who started you on your writing journey. Mm-hmm. But it, and you said you didn't know if he was still alive or what, but if he was listening right now, what would you say to him? (laughs) I would, I would say, Mr. Hollingsworth, you set me on a path that I never thought I could achieve or attain. Uh, And again, it's got nothing to do with wealth or fame. It's just setting a passion within me that would consume how I go through life. Because now I'm always looking for something to write about. And he taught me how to do that and why I should do that and why it's important. So, uh, Mr. Hollingsworth, if you're listening, if you're still alive and you happen to hear this, thank you so much for taking the time for A, to care about your students and to impart uh, what wisdom you had and, and setting that fire. I think he was probably a very good teacher, too. Have you ever read a book? And thought to yourself, hey, I could have written that book. If you have, what, what book was it? Okay. Uh, in high school, again, uh, we are assigned books to read as part of the curriculum, the teacher's curriculum. And, well, I was kind of a, a, a defiant kind of student. And the, the books that they suggested or said, this is what we're reading this year and blah, blah, blah. And I, I just couldn't get into any of the books and I said Mr. Hollingsworth I will read the same amount of books of my choosing giving you reports on every one of them and and doing what needs to be done that you're asking the other students to and he says well give me your list of books and I showed it showed it to him and he says okay we can do that and so basically I I read the books I did the the thing but Back in high school, one of the books that he was on the curriculum was actually The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton, as well as Rumblefish, and uh, that was then, this is now. And I really enjoyed the book. And years later, I'm visually impaired for those who really don't know, but uh, years later, I've had the opportunity to quote unquote, reread the book, but actually listening to the audio of it. And then I went, you know, what? I could, I could have written this book. And in fact, that's where I got the idea to write my novella, which may be a novel, but um, that's where I got the idea because it's basically, it's a, a fictional autobiography of my life. And and, you know, that's a kind of a, a weird genre. I don't even think it exists. Maybe it does. Uh, but <clears throat> I reached out to Essie. I didn't know anything about Essie Hinton. So I did some research on who the author was and found out that Essie Hinton is actually a female uh, writing as a boy, which was, you know, okay, yeah, whatever. But was a high school student when she first 
wrote the book, she was 16. And in their, her first year, it only sold 10 copies. But look at the status it has today. So anyway, I reached out to her via Twitter. And I said, hey, listen, you know what? Uh, many, many, many years ago, I read your book, thought it was good. I've had the opportunity to reread, listen to it. And uh, it inspired me to to write my own story. And I just want to say thank you for writing that book and the, you know, the, the other books that went along with it and giving me uh, the opportunity to develop my own story. You've encouraged me and you've inspired me. And she actually responded and said, well, thank you very much for that. And good luck with your endeavors. And the, the, the takeaway from that though, is she's got like 145,000 followers. Now, 145,000 followers just saw her respond to me uh, in a positive way. So Mm -hmm. there's, I, you know, I can't say for certain, it might be, you know, egotistical for me to even think this way, but there's 145,000 people now looking at my name going, I wonder when he's going to release his book. But S.E. Hinton, I thought I could have written The Outsiders because there's a similar lifestyle there for me. I've been going through something similar to that. Um, you know, I wrote one book and now I want to write a second book and it's, should I write about this or should I write about this or, and I've got little bits and pieces and uh, it dawned on me a while back that the kind of book I want to write are the ones that are sitting in my library and that have made the biggest impact on me. Well, they're in and, your library for a reason. And they're in my library for a reason. So once I, identified that then things started flowing much more smoothly Mm -hmm. for me so it's interesting to hear your answer thank you what's your ideal writing space you know different people think you got to have the perfect desk and the perfect view and the best kind of computer and the best kind of pens what is it for you my early writing um, there was no ideal. It was when the idea sprang. I always carried a notebook with me of some sort. I used to carry pen and paper with me everywhere I went because everything inspired me to write. And it it, it didn't matter what it was. Uh, you know, I saw a frog in a stream. There was a poem there. I saw, you know, like this morning I woke up early. And as you'd mentioned, there was snow on the ground. And I wrote a poem this morning just by going to my window and, and my cat was looking outside and, uh, and just the pristine, fresh, soft snow inspired, you know, uh, like four or five is nine and six is a 15 line poem. And, Randy, uh, that's how I knew what the weather was like at your place today. Yeah. It's because I read your poem online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, again, so for me, the early stuff, it was all on pen and paper and, 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 you know, and little slips of paper or a receipt or a napkin or whatever like that. And I'd take the napkin and I'd put it in a notebook or stuff like that. I'm digging out, you know, notebooks from uh, 87, 92, you know, all throughout my, uh, my writing. Since, since losing the majority of my vision in 2011, pretty much everything's been confined to computer. So I have a, a 42 inch monitor that is magnified to 150%. I've got a large um, key keyboard 
so everything is a little bit larger for me to see. I guess I should explain that my left eye is totally uh, useless. It's it's black. There's there's nothing. I've got no vision. I don't see light coming in through it at all. My right eye, twenty five percent of the retina is still attached right in the middle. The vision that I have with that is pretty foggy. So with the magnifications and stuff, and and of course with the uh, read aloud feature, I can I can type away at my heart's content, and then listen to it to see where it needs improving. So that's basically how I function as a writer today. It's it's all computerized. I tried I tried the handwritten thing. My I used to have really good handwriting. I could you know I should be a doctor now. <laughs> well, not a surgeon though. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So your ideal writing space now is having a computer that can adapt itself to what you need. Exactly. And- so I have a, I actually have an office where I do all my writing. So I, my living room turns into my office, which turns into my bedroom. And, uh, and basically it's an old vault. <laughs> so what? An, an old, old vault? Vault. Oh, vault. No windows. It's concrete. It's, and it's nice and cold in, in, in the summer. It's nice and freezing in the wintertime. <laughs> well, are you the type of writer who wants only to hear positive critique of your work? Or how do you, how do you accept uh, critique? And uh, I think this is a timely question for me because you just said that I could read your book ahead of time and give you feedback. So I really want to know what kind of fe- feedback are you, do you like to accept that, that helps you to move forward? Well, I can tell you this right now. One thing I don't like are, are, is fluff. I don't want my ears tick. Oh, it's a good book. Oh, I really, really liked it. And, you know, I don't care if you like it or not. What concerns me is if it made you think, if it, if it, if it caused you to think, if it uh, woke something up within you, if it caused you to feel, that's the kind of feedback I want. You know, uh, well, I like it or I didn't like it. Well, that's just a matter of opinion. Everybody's got them. And, you know, as we know, opinions are neither right nor wrong. However, your feelings are are you, right? So if it Mm -hmm. made you cry, if it made you sad, these are the things that I'm after. So, you know, keep your fluff, keep your, you know, um, niceties away. Just be honest with me, you know, and and honesty is really what I'm after. And if you liked it, I mean, again, that's, that's good, but. I don't, it, to me, if you like it or you didn't like it really means nothing again, because it's just a matter of opinion. Right. Right. I'm weird. <laughs> uh, no, you're probably not as weird as you think you are. <laughs> Let me have my oh. moments. <laughs> <laughs> How much of yourself would you say goes into something you've written? That's, that's a pretty good question. Yeah. You wrote it. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I would say there's more of me in my writing than most people realize. Most people reading would have to guess at what part is me and what part isn't. Uh, those who know me well enough uh, can read it and go, oh, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, I, I, I see that in you or I know that about you or things like that. I, I would like to think that most, or I, I think that most people who write include part of themselves within their writing probably not as much Mm -hmm. as others or more than others I don't know 
but there's a lot of me in my writing. Like, for example, my novella, like I said, is, is a uh, fictional autobiography, which means I've drawn a lot from my life to put in there because I've lived, I've lived it, but I'm not giving you real names. I'm giving you real places, real events, and there's some, a lot of fiction that's thrown into it. But, and, and, and my poetry, I mean, like you read the poem this morning, you got to feel that I'd actually live that, right? I, you know, this is what mm-hmm. I experienced. So there's a little bit of me in there. Uh, so yeah, I would say there's, there's more than people think, but less than people know. There's a big Cheshire grin on my face here, people. <laughs> well, I, I think that that's probably true for, a, well, I want to say most, I don't know if that's a, maybe not most, but a lot of people write, they don't realize that they're writing about themselves, but what they think and believe and act comes out in their writing in some way. Mm-hmm. Okay, now my question of the day is, who are your muses and how do they show up? Who are my muses? Uh, I don't know that I can identify any one particular muse. I There is, um, well, on Valentine's Day that just went by a couple of days ago, I... Uh, Many years ago, in the mid-90s, I was engaged to be married, and uh, we had broken up, and then we'd gotten back together, and then on on Valentine's Day of 1996, we were supposed to recommit that engagement. Uh, we had a date uh, planned and stuff like that, and uh, she didn't show up, and and two days later, I found out that she had been murdered. And so Natalie uh, is her name. And a lot of what I write, um, the emotional part of what I write is usually drawn from that because, I mean, I was, I was brought through, <clears throat> excuse me, I was brought through a whole range of emotions uh, through that time period. It was also a, a pretty bad a couple of months because uh, three weeks after she was murdered, uh, a friend of mine was found dead of a drug overdose. He didn't do drugs. And then three weeks later, my grandmother died. So that was a really intense few months mm-hmm. for me. So there was a lot of uh, emotion from high to low to, you know, it, it spanned, a, you know, probably every every uh, emotion that I could think of. And so that I, I draw a lot of emotion from, from in around that time. So I would say Natalie and my grandmother and uh, Mark. Uh, are three people in a short period of time who impact what I write to some degree. Yeah, I guess that would probably be the the, the best answer I could give you with regards to that. And that's also a good question. I should write that one down. I um, want to switch now to the next part of the interview. All right. Although I have to tell you, I have really been enjoying the things that you have to say. It's it's so enlightening for other authors and writers and creators to hear what's going on inside the mind of other people of the same ilk. And I also really appreciate the fact that you do these podcasts because I know you do them because you want to help other authors. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you are. Uh, from my opinion, uh, from my place, 
it is very helpful. I used to, before I kind of figured out who I was or what I was um, doing, I would go to the library and I would look for books that people had autobiographies mm-hmm. because I thought maybe those books will give me a clue how I can lead my life. And a lot of times I was very disappointed because I didn't really want to know who's who in the zoo. I wanted to know what they were thinking and mm-hmm. feeling. And um, I think that you capture that in the podcast. So I just want to say thank you, Randy, well, no, for doing what you're thank doing. Thank you for saying that. Um, the For the most part, the response that I've been getting, the feedback that I've been getting with regards to the podcast have been positive, you mm-hmm. know, and and again, the podcast itself is designed to highlight and showcase lesser known Canadian authors and writers uh, who don't get that break because, you know, uh, and, and here's where I have to stop being political, but uh, that some of these major uh, publishing houses or literary agents or, you know, because they're telling us what to read. Oh, you got to read this. And they promote the heck out of it. And the, the, you know, the lesser known remain lesser known because they don't fit into that groove or that niche that these people say we should be reading and following. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that, a lot of the contests and, uh, and whatnot, if you, if you really look at who's winning, it's, it's not who I think should be winning, but I'm not a judge and, you know, whatever. So yeah, the the podcast itself is has been fun to do. You know, it's just another thing that this crazy blind guy just wants to try his hand at. So season two, which this is part of, I, I've planned to try and interview some literary agents, some publishers, some editors to give those who are starting out with their writing paths that these, you know, publishers and, and whatnot could point them on you know some of the common mistakes that are made point them out and maybe just help you know anybody really but for those people just starting out especially that these literary agents or publishers or editors can 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 really point to and that's that's my goal for season two and there's still going to be some authors and and writers and whatnot so yeah so i'm I'm trying to cover as many aspects as i can so in in uh, response to the the bit about um, editors and publishers, please ask them about their feelings and and about their themselves to to kind of take away that that feeling when we think about them as being some kind of monster. Oh, I don't know what's that monster what likes to devour yeah. everything monster that or god or something. I think it's helpful to know them as real people mm-hmm. and and what gives them joy for instance yeah so when you interviewed tara shannon mm. i heard her talking about her publisher and she talked about her in using her first name and all of a sudden this publisher became a person to me mm-hmm. and i thought oh oh yeah they are people yeah <laughs> it just it kind of it just took me to a different place listening to that i'm excited for your next season too all right so under your uh your part two what works do you currently have in publication so let's hear about 
those so that people can go out and purchase them and wear? Well, um, like you said earlier, I do have nine books that I have self-published, but only eight of them are currently available. The very, very first one, which was done through Friesen Press, mm-hmm. which I guess is kind of a vanity press, is, or at least so I'm learning, but I stopped paying for distribution rights or whatever. And so I'm going to be redoing that book and re-releasing it. I'm just trying to figure out all the, the legalities behind it. But so resolutions, uh, resolutions part two, part three, leftovers and new concoctions is actually part four of the resolution series. It is comprised of the leftover pieces that didn't quite make it into the other three books because they were either too long or too short of poems like there's some nine nine page poems in there and you know whatever and then after that of course was uh word gardens and then uh, there's another one entitled uh from somewhere deep within and now of course uh, the two that you mentioned the the year to remember and uh, a year to forget which was basic all the poetry that i wrote in 2020 so basically what i do is i write poetry for a year and then the following year is when I release those poems in a, in a book form. And so I'm yeah. still currently working on all the stuff that I wrote in 2021. And writing your 2022 poems. Yes, as well. And still working on the uh, novella, still working on short stories and my memoir. Uh, now my short stories, my love of writing the short story basically came out of you know, those flash fiction contests, the the Mm -hmm. monthly ones, like, you know, from Australia, what's it called? Curious Fiction. Uh, There's a little plug for them. That are only doing it four times a year now instead of monthly. Yeah, that's a bummer. But it's a lot of work. Well, it is, yeah. And I mean, you know, times are tough right now because of what's been going on in the world. But, you know, the the parameters that they put up for their contest, uh, which I think is a very great idea, but that gave me a lot of practice over like two and a half years to yeah. write short stories. And so the, the you know, uh, no more than 500 words, right? So that's yep. good, but I've taken some of the ones that I've written for the contest and expanded them. And now some of them are, you know, 2,500 words, 3,000 words, 500 words, or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. And so that's given me, and I look at these contests as practice. I never expect to win. If I win, great, but it's practice. So, and that's really what we need to do is, is continue to practice our craft. Mm -hmm. And so we take, I take these, these opportunities to, to hone, you know, I don't worry about rejection letters because I really don't care. You know, again, you know, if, if it goes great, if not, no harm, no foul. I notice on one of the Facebook pages that people have been posting their rejection letters. And I thought this is actually, at first I kind of wondered about it, but then I thought this is a really great idea because it's, it's reminding people, this isn't a failure. It's just another step in the process and we all get them. Well, that's what I tell people. Maybe they they put out a, you know, Oh, another rejection letter. And, and I say, you know what? Just because that particular company or whatever, they didn't accept it, doesn't mean it's not good. It just doesn't fit what they're doing. And so I've taken all the short stories that I've written for these contests, and I'm putting them into my own personal short story collection. 
And most of the stories are going to be under 2000 words. So I've entitled, and I think it's quite genius actually, but I've entitled uh, the book. Wait for it. Cause I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> In not so many words, short stories under 2000 oh. words. Yeah. Right. Not so many words. Oh. But so yeah, they might not, they might be a rejection out there, but you know what? Again, like I said, that's just because it didn't fit into what they were looking for at this time. Doesn't mean it wasn't any good, but I find a lot of people go that right away. Oh, well, my, it was, you know, they didn't like it. Huh? And they think it's personal, but it's not. I'm just wondering how many people listening to this podcast and other podcasts, of course, are taking notes because there's lots of little, little bits of information or uh, ideas that we can all take and do. And, you know, you're, you're inspiring me to take a look at the, the few uh, flash fiction stories that I've written and put them together in a booklet form. Why not? And why not? And, uh, and keep doing that. I, I didn't know what the purpose of being, uh, of participating in, in these contests was, until I was listening and reading the Facebook pages. And then I went, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm going to ask you another question. Is there one of your books which you are more particularly fond of? And if there is, why? I, I would have to say Blind Ambitions, only because it was the first one. And the, the whole purpose behind Blind Ambitions and the and the title is it, it took me losing my vision to become ambitious about that dream that Mr. Hollingsworth planted within me so many years ago. That's the the, the story behind the title, and my my goal for that was just to be able to say that I've got something out there. It was a personal thing. Yeah, it might have been a vanity book or whatever, but it was a personal thing. It was a personal goal that I had wanted for myself. And I could finally say, look, I have got something on a bookshelf. And then after that, it was like, oh, well, I can continue to do this. Because you know what? They're, most, of the, most of my writing is blasé. But every now and then you get that one that speaks to somebody. And they let you know about it. And, and there is something in all of my books that people have come back to say, you know what, that spoke to me. And if, if, if I can get one person to say something like that or say, listen, this affected me in this way, then that makes what I've done a success. It's not how many books I've sold. It's not about, you know, all this. It's about uh, helping people. Making a difference to somebody. Yep. So I have to tell you, I'm, I've still been sitting here thinking about the fact that you wrote a poem a day. <laughs> My daughter currently, who is an adult and probably your age, has been taking a photo of sunset, the sunset every day. Mm-hmm. And she's on about 199 at the moment. Um, so she's got a few more to go. I love the idea of having the goal, do something each day. So I've, kind of come up with something while you were talking and I'm thinking because I like to take pictures and I like to put quotes on the pictures and post them I'm now thinking I'm going to write a haiku a day and put it with one of the pictures and post that 
or maybe publish it. But you see, you're an inspiration, even to me, that's just, that just is supposedly asking you the questions. <laughs> well, you know, turnabout's fair play, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, where can people contact you? Things like your email, your website. What's your website, Randy? Very, very easy. It's uh, www.therandylacy.ca. And from there, you click on the like, uh, you click on blog, and it'll take you to another website that I have as well, where uh, it has all my blog posts. It has eventually, it'll have my podcast and my podcast transcriptions. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. I've got a, a friend of mine who's helping me with it. So, but yeah, that's, that's the main one, the Randy Lacey.ca. And uh, the email address is uh, the Randy Lacey at gmail.com. So the Randy Lacey at gmail.com. Yep. Okay. And are you on Twitter? I am. And on Twitter, I am at gobble D gook. So okay, that, you better spell that for everyone. All right, G O B B L D G O O K. Okay, gobbledygook. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was pretty, you know, a pretty ingenious name for such a format because really <laughs> it, it all, you know, you had 140 words, 140 spaces that you you could only use, right? So right. a lot of it was coming out as gobbledygook. And we know gobbledygook is uh, silly speak. And, you know, it's either we're going back to hieroglyphics or. Okay. And you're on, I imagine you're on Instagram if you're on Facebook. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. And that's uh, blind soul 52. Blind soul. And that would be S-O-U-L. Correct. 52. Number 52? five, number two. Yeah. Okay on instagram and are you on tiktok no no tiktok okay anything else anywhere else that we could find you if well i mean i i do have a private writing group on facebook as you know because oh let's talk about that you're you're a member um, i am and it is called the canadian Canadian creative writers so it's People can see it. The public, general public can, can see the group, but they it's a private group. So if you want to join, you need to uh, uh, request to join and then answer, you know, three skill testing questions, which are basically where in Canada do you currently reside? The second question is what do you either hope to get out of or contribute to the group? And the third is probably the most important of all the three questions. And is that what's your favorite cheese and why? I don't remember those questions. <laughs> no, you got, you got bumped into the group right away because you were one of the first 10. Ah, folks, can you see I'm a Randy fan? <laughs> <laughs> well, you followed me over from uh, Canada Rights. I did. I did. As did a lot of other people. Yes. Yes, I wasn't the only one. I, I know that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one of my administrators, uh, um, she, we, we actually met in a Walmart in Calgary. Um, I was blindly looking for something. And she came along and said, can I help you find something? I go, oh, do you work here? 
She said, no, I do not. I said, well, maybe you should, because none of the other people that work here even approached me. She was, well, you know, whatever. And I, you know, I asked her what she did. I said, do you want a job here at Walmart? I'm sure we can get you one. She was, no, no, she was, I'm a writer. And I went, oh, so am I. And then it just took <laughs> off from there. And, you know, uh, we're, we're friends and, and, uh, and so, yeah. So I said, listen, I'm starting my own group. Come on over and be an admin for me. And it's been working great. You know, that was supposed to be the last question, but I really want to ask you this one. What has been the greatest joy producing your podcasts? Oh, there's so much stuff that that's made me joyful. One, getting to meet people um, and finding out, you know, what makes them tick and, you know, about, you know, what they like to write and stuff. Like season one, there was 15 interviews. Plus there was two Christmas specials, which I really enjoyed. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And I will do again for season two because people seem to respond to it. But so like, for example, I interviewed you. Uh, you were my second interview. Uh, you were my first Zoom interview for for the podcast. Terry Fairhurst Lineman. She was my first in-person. Uh, she, she met was, you at a coffee shop. Yeah. And so that, that was kind of cool. So, but, you know, uh, Barry Freeman and, and the, the list goes on. And it, it's been, it's been good to, to learn about people, which I, I love to do and what inspires people. And so like uh, Amanda, who was just last week's uh, upload, she lives mm-hmm. in the same town as I do. Yeah. And so um, she was in, here in my studio in the basement. So that that was a, a very fun. She's also my computer geek, uh, and helps me with my computer stuff as well. And uh, but it, it's been fun getting to know people. It's been fun um, the the process of putting this all together, especially as a visually impaired person. It's a new challenge, right? So there, being visually impaired has been, and I'm going to use this word in, in whatever uh, connection you make with it is fine. But for me. Uh, becoming visually impaired has been a blessing because it has allowed me to do and learn things I don't think I would have learned otherwise. For example, the the dream to publish a book died a long time ago, right? But I'm sitting in my hospital bed for five months and, you know, I just got this urge to write and publish again. So now I also blend spices and create hot sauces. And and I'm also, I, I, I volunteer with youth. And so you try being a blind guy, keeping up with some of these teenagers. And, and uh, but then, then the podcast, I, you know, I was just like, hey, you know what? I think I could do this. And so I started, you know, doing the research that I needed to, buying the equipment one piece at a time. And then finally, when I had enough equipment, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. How am I going to do it? And then the idea, you know, because I was getting frustrated with, you know, CBC or some of these, you know, big book companies or whatever and no you know what the little guy needs a break and so i'm i'm hoping to give these little guys the break they need i think that's great well like i said thank you for doing that and thank you for letting yourself be interviewed i appreciate it and thank you for being willing to sit in the chair that i normally sit in well it's not as easy as it looks apparently so you're leaving the editing to me now oh come on (laughs) No, it's, it's good. I've, I've enjoyed, um, I've enjoyed being in this chair and, you know, there's been a lot of people who are curious about, 
I mean, they just see what I put online and stuff like that. And I mean, the, I never expected uh, Canadian creative writers to go beyond a hundred people. And now we're fast approaching 1200 people in the group. Really? Yes. That's great. It, it is, you know, and, and so I put my mind to something and, and look what it became. And, yeah. you know, what are my, th- you know, some of my rules about the group are very simple. No politics, no platforming. It's uh, about writers, by writers, for writers. And if what you post has nothing to do with writing, it's gone. Well, we can post our our websites and things like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, self-promotion yeah. is good. Yeah. Uh, over- I think I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. There are some people that go a little bit overboard on it and they just want the group to, you know, uh, promote themselves and uh, they get stern warnings. Like you agreed to our rules and our rules say, you know, don't do this that often. And so I created, you know, Crow Wednesday, which is uh, a day specifically for people to brag about what they've done or what they're doing or what's coming. And, you know, people. Oh, I should go on there. Oh, no, I can't. I was going to say I should go on there and say that I interviewed you. But no, you've got this great thing going about the secrecy of who it is. So I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) I thought that was great. Yeah. Feel free to. I mean, it doesn't really matter. The, the the build up and the hype, and a lot of people don't maybe don't know who you are. I think most people don't know who I am. <laughs> right. So oh. not only that, but they'll say, "Oh, who's this?" And they'll go to the you know the podcast and go, "Oh, he actually interviewed her." And then you know, so yeah. just bring people around. But your book, by the way, I've been showing a lot of people, and as I told you, um, my pastor. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's ordered them or not, but he's ordering. Uh, not stars. yet. Uh, not yet. Not as of yesterday anyway, because I, I would see if there was uh, three at a time. Yeah, that's what we, I would imagine. I, yeah, But yeah. he wants to put one in the church library. He wants to put one in the senior center yeah. or the seniors drop in center. And, and yeah. he wants to put one in our public library. And that's the other thing I'm doing with this podcast. Anybody that I interview, um, I'm asking if they'd be willing to donate a copy of their you know one of their works or their only work to our public library because that promotes them it fills our library with new content you know so here's here's something that's interesting it might i don't know if you can use it in any way but our public library is called the greater victoria public library and it encompasses quite a few of the municipalities and they have something which i'm a part of now the emerging artists, no, emerging writers, um, and they will have uh, a display up that focuses on our writing. So, our, okay. you know, everybody who's just written a book between, I don't know, whether it was 2012 and 2020 or something like that, um, we've donated the book to them, and they're going to have a little party and display that's really so that's kind of exciting so one of the people that i interviewed aaron patterson uh her book yeah. is all good things and uh so i asked her i said hey listen would you be willing to donate a copy of your book to my public library of which i'm a the chairperson of and she was like, oh absolutely i think that's a really cool idea so of course you know when you to to get a book into a library uh, it has to be processed and, you know, documented and all that stuff that, you know, libraries do. Right. And I said, uh-huh. when it, when it finally uh, hits the shelves, I will go take some pictures for you and stuff. 
And so uh, because of, you know, Christmas and everything that was going on right now, it took a little longer to get there, but it finally showed up and it's on uh, new arrivals. And so mm-hmm. on the shelf that she's on, uh, she's beside some other books. And I, I snapped a picture, actually had our, our uh, library manager snap a picture and I sent Aaron uh, the pictures. And not only was she excited that her book was on the library shelf, but the author that it was beside is one of her favorite authors. Oh, oh. So she oh. was like, is that cool? To the moon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and then I've got, I've gotten other copies of books from uh, Colette, uh, for example, her book, uh, Broken Bread. Um, mm-hmm. So most, a lot of the people that I've interviewed have books that are autobiographies or, or memoirs, if you will. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And so like Aaron, Aaron, I mean, her personal struggle, you can read about it or listen to the podcast. Same with Colette. I mean, she at 47 was diagnosed with celiac disease. So oh, her well, was, the adjustments yeah. in yeah. her life. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, one of the guys, Barry Freeman, he's like 78 years old. He published his first book. I'm trying to think where he lives. He lives just he, uh, he west Ontario? of me. Just west oh, of he's, me. He, he's in Alberta. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not oh. sticking with people from Alberta. Obviously, I've, I've covered, you know, talked to people from all over the country, yeah. uh, Ontario, BC, Alberta. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not just trying to stick with, you know, a homegrown. But I have noticed there has been a lot of women as opposed to there's more women than men. More women have responded. So like I put out a general call saying, anybody want to be interviewed for my podcast? More women responded than men. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so when when I'm I'm done recording this, that I'm back into the interviewer chair. You have been listening to Between the Lines. In future episodes, I will not only be speaking with Canadian authors and writers, I will also be speaking with those from the other side of the writing industry, editors, agents, and publishers, in the hopes of getting a better understanding of how it all works together. If you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and content. Send all your comments, suggestions, or any questions you'd like to have a guest answer to me at brandy.vplpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to visit me at www.therandylacy.ca. While there, look for the Buy Me a Coffee button to help support the podcast. Thank you for your time and your ears. Tune in, be inspired, and write on. In business, you rarely hear the expression, for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 Weight Loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. 
Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. 